Hello, this is Joe with Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue, and you are listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Start the game! Let's go! We'll do it live. Do it live! I can, I'll write it and we'll do it live! So to get that perfect barbecue, you use wood. Are you sure it's safe? Whatever. We put the lighter fluid on, strike your match, and... Oh. Should we call the fire department? That might be a good idea. Good evening and welcome to the Really Big Barbecue Central Show. This is the show that talks about all things that are important to the world of barbecue and grilling. The show originating from the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame City, Bomb City, USA, Cleveland, Ohio, the barbecue capital of the North Coast. I'm your program host, Greg Rempe. Happy to have you aboard here on your Tuesday evenings, a live fire fun and frivolity show. If you would like to follow the show during off-show hours or get in contact with me, here's how you do it. You can get in touch with the show by sending an email to Greg at the BBQCentralShow.com. Follow us on all the social media channels at BBQ Central Show. And be sure to subscribe to the show podcast feed on your favorite podcast platform. Anything else you want to find out about the show can be found at the main website, the BBQCentralShow.com. And here's what's happening in case you you get the newsletter coming up in about 12 minutes from now it's the first tuesday of a month and you know what that means the creator of how to barbecue right the pit master of killer hogs competition team an overall great guy malcolm reed will rejoin the show once again knocking down two of 12 we're already through One whole month of the year, believe it or not. So while everybody was laughing at me a month ago when I was saying the 2024 was rapidly coming to a close, nobody more prophetic than me each and every year on the first show of January telling you how quickly the year is passing us by, and certainly it is. So looking forward to catching up with Malcolm, 35 past the hour. First-time guest, getting a little outside the stereotypical barbecue grilling live fire box. Instead, we're going professional eater, not competitive eater, although she will take part in eating competitions, but not a Joey Chestnut, if you will, who is constantly in a MLE or major league eating sanctioning body. She's doing her own thing, uh, has a huge following on YouTube, 700 and some odd thousand subscribers watching her literally travel the globe and do these incredible eating challenges. And the fact that she stands about five foot two and weighs maybe a hundred pounds soaking wet to see the amount of food that she is demolishing in typically less than an hour is mind blowing. I've been a big fan ever since I found her and I have no idea how I found her on YouTube, but it was probably a suggestion after watching some other type of video that had eating involved with it. And I reached out. It's been well over a year. We've been chasing. She did a lot of traveling. 
In the meantime, but she is here for the first time tonight, the creator of the Katina Eats Kilos channel and associated properties, Katina Dijarnet, will join us to close out the first hour. So very excited to talk a bunch of nonsense eating with Katina and see how she does it, all that fun stuff. Then we'll move to the second hour. Like Malcolm in the first, our lead in the second is a huge YouTube maven. Got a new cookbook out. We're going to be talking a lot about that. Sam the Cooking Guy will join us, of course. Plenty of other stuff to talk to Sam about, assuming our conversations stick anywhere near where the outline is. We'll talk a lot about food and a lot about the new book. If not, who knows what we're going to talk about, but it will always be entertaining, fun, and frivolous all at the same time. And then closing out the show this evening, we've talked a lot about competition, barbecue, between various sanctioning bodies. We've talked about new contests that are going to be taking place here in May, while other more established contests are also taking part in the same weekend in May in Memphis. But there's a new sanctioning body, but it's not competition barbecue as far as number of categories. It's only one category. It's ribs. We're going to be talking with Dirk Mullins, from the Rib Cook-Off Association. You might have seen him on a few other podcasts here recently as 2023 was coming to a close, but we have him here on this show on 2024 here the first week in February. So we'll talk about where the Rib Cook-Off Association was first hatched in the mind and how you go ahead and execute that, what makes a Rib Cook-Off Association event, that type of an event, what kind of ribs you should be using, how you judge, all that fun stuff, where the look for growth is going to be. So Dirk Mullins closing out the show and then we'll call it an evening. So Malcolm Reed and Katina Dijarnet in the first hour, Sam the Cooking Guy and Dirk Mullins in the second hour. Don't forget you can follow me socially, Instagram, X, TikTok, and Snapchat, all at BBQ Central Show. We say good evening to those of you watching the show tonight through one of our video streaming platforms. You can go to facebook.com slash BBQ Central Show to watch you can also go to twitter.com slash bbq central show to watch and you can also watch on youtube which is youtube.com slash at bbq central show where we do have a new youtube poll question of the week and we're asking everybody this also off the heels of a topic from last week which new cooker of the two would you rather have the ge profile indoor smoker or the current backyard full-size electric grill and currently, 73% of you are saying the current full-size electric grill. I'm a little shocked as voting started right off the bat. The indoor smoker had a little bit of a lead. I thought that actually might increase as we get through the open here. But it looks like the full-size electric grill is the one that's out in the lead early. But we got plenty of show to get through here. So we'll track progress and we'll ask all guests, of course. So let's start here this evening, and many of you were writing in over the course of this past week, commenting on the beef talk from the most recent show this past Tuesday. Some of you pulled the trigger on those beef sticks that Jeff Smith had mentioned from Colorado Craft Beef during the first hour last week. Jeff sent me a sample pack of all three flavors. They are dynamite as far as which one is my favorite overall. The jalapenos, number one, the original is number two, and then the smoke or the pepper smoked is number three, but they're all fantastic. I'm not a big beef stick guy because most of them seem 
mass produced, greasy, generally not a great eating experience for me. These had great flavor, definitely no grease. So he was completely right when he said that there's no grease, probably because there's no pork. Jeff also sent me some beef to try. I plan on getting to that soon as well, but appreciate all the gifts that he had sent my way to try out after last week's visit. Also, many of you went over to the Browsy Acres website to check out their full blood and crossbred Wagyu beef that I have had. And the Wagyu is top tier stuff. Buy with confidence as far as that's concerned. A lot of you loved hearing the story that Travis shared as well going from fighter to Wagyu rancher and businessman. And then there was this email that made its way in. Greg, did you know that the Rhonda he's referring to is his wife, Rhonda Rousey? Or I got this email. Greg, did you not do research on this guest? You never brought up his wife, Rhonda Rousey. You should have her on the show next time, and you should do a little bit more research. Look, gang. Of course, I knew who his wife was. Yes, I did my research on him, the company. You do any looking on their social media accounts, Instagram specifically, and there's one for Travis, there's one for Browsy Acres. Rhonda's pretty visible on the social media. Same with the videos about Browsy Acres on the YouTube page. She's on there. So yes, I knew the relationship. I know who she is. I knew who she was in the fight game. Few are as big and as popular as she was when she was doing it. She also made a very successful transition over to WWE and was great there as a sports entertainer as well, if I'm not mistaken. I think she's in the UFC Hall of Fame and in the WWE Hall of Fame. Very popular, very talented. I get it. However, I do know that Travis and Rhonda are neck deep into this Browsy Acres company and they both have an active interest in seeing this thing succeed. It's not some revenue stream that they don't participate in. It's the opposite. They appear to be very heavily involved, perhaps neck deep. Would I take an interview with Rhonda? Sure, who wouldn't? I'm honored that Travis came on the show last week. Let me ask him about what he's doing over there and what the future looks like for Browsy Acres. I think he's set to come on again next month. We'll do two segments. We'll get into all the fight talk, all the fighting background, sports background, a love story potentially with him and Ronda, all that fun stuff. I thought it was right to set a baseline or a foundation for both the companies last week so you know who they were in case they come on in future shows. We have a working background on all of that stuff. Malcolm Reed is ready to go. Before we get to him, I will tell you quickly about Pits and Spits. Are you tired of settling for mediocre grilling experiences? It's time to step your game up. Bring the ultimate flavor and the ultimate cooker to the backyard barbecues. Pits and Spits charcoal grills offering the highest quality live fire cooking experience you can get in the market today. Using either wood or charcoal, their solid fuel grills produce those classic flavors you're looking for when you have the time to fire up the grill and cook for family and friends. With a large adjustable fuel tray, you can raise and lower the fire to control and fine-tune the heat. Their take on the very popular San Maria-style grill. Check them out online at this website, pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. That's pitsandspits.com slash bbqcentral. And as you're looking at the charcoal grills, you can use promo code charcoalcentral, all one word, charcoalcentral, to check out and you can save 150 bucks off any charcoal grill that they're selling. 
and they are lovely, I'll tell you that. Charcoal Central to check out, saves you 150 bucks off. By the way, as you're spelling out pits and spits to go to the website, it's the double T on the pits and the spits, pitsandspits.com slash BBQ Central. And once again, use promo code Charcoal Central at checkout. It'll save you 150 bucks off any charcoal grill, longtime sponsor now of this show. Our pals over at Pits and Spits. We're back with Malcolm Reed right after this. Stick around. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Casting live from the Barbecue Central Show Studios in Cleveland, Ohio. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Greg Rempe. All right, welcome back. This portion of the show being brought to you by CookinPellets.com, your number one source for quality wood pellets. For all of your pellet-driven cookers, you visit CookinPellets.com for more information or to purchase in fact, if you're going to purchase, review what they have at cookandpellets.com and then go to amazon.com or walmart.com or lowes.com. Purchase there as well. Same great selection, better shipping rates. Oh my God, a legend is in the chat room. From Huntsville, Alabama, ladies and gentlemen, Phil Flag. Phil. Welcome back in. That guy's stretching all the way back to the podcast days. No one a longer time fan than Phil White from Alabama. Oh, my God. Phil, appreciate you joining the show here this evening. In fact, you've joined just in time because I have first Tuesday of the month regular guest, the pitmaster of Killer Hogs competition team and creator of How to Barbecue Right, Malcolm Reed is here. Uh, Malcolm, do you know Phil White from Huntsville, Alabama? I'm just, we've probably crossed paths before. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know, I mean, he's been around a long been, time. Our guy Phil, no doubt. Uh, we have a YouTube poll question of the week that I would like to get your thoughts on first before we get into sure. some of the topics here this evening. We're asking everybody this: Which new cooker would you rather have? You have to pick between the two here, Malcolm. It might be tough. The GE Profile indoor smoker, number one. Or the current backyard full size electric grill. Which one do you pick? I, I'm gonna take the full size electric. I guess I'm not familiar with either one of them, but it sounds interesting. Sixty nine percent of the YouTube voting public are backing you up, saying that the current full size electric grill is the one that they would like to have. Of course, I would love to get what their thought process on this. Just to give you a quick background here. Last week, we were talking a little bit about the CES show that took place a number of weeks ago in Las Vegas. There were a lot of grill companies that showed up and showed out this year, more than I've ever seen go to a consumer electronics show, to say the least. And Christy Vanover from Girls Can Grill were giving us the background on all of that stuff. Well, the GE Profile is an indoor pellet cooker, so it looks similar to a microwave, a little taller not as wide. You put some pellets in the top and they burn. It's got its own heating element for the pellets. It injects the smoke into the cooking chamber. 
And then as the pellets are spent, they drop into a water tank somewhere located in this unit. And then you're wondering, well, my house is going to smell like smoke, of course. I can already see the question coming. There's a catalyzation process. So the smoke runs through the back of this thing, goes through a special chamber. It cleans the smoke, and it just returns hot air back into the house. So it's a, a, a pretty unique thing. Got a lot of rave reviews at CES. The other one is a, a double burner, full electric. So plug it into the outlet, standard outlet, doesn't have to be 220. And you're supposed to have independent control of the left or right side. So if you live in an apartment or somewhere that would prohibit live fire, you get a full-size experience, but maybe you can skirt those live fire restrictions by using a, an electric grill. It claims to get up to 700 degrees. So, you know, it's it's never-ending what's coming to the market these days. Being a retailer, I mean, you know better than anybody. You know, and I love seeing new innovations. Man. That's, I mean, you know, getting everybody cooking. So... So if an indoor pellet cooker is what it takes, that's that's fine. But outdoor electric, that'll work too. But, you know, there's all kinds of ways to, to, to grill and do some smoking. So I'm all for it, man. Back in 2020, believe it or not, we were talking about you being in the, maybe it was 2022, now that I'm thinking about it. You were talking about being in the middle of building a new competition trailer. You remember those days? I do. You were probably about halfway through the process when we did a segment on the show here. I never did a follow-up. Luckily, a fan of the show, Steve in Tennessee, sent me a note last week, reminded me he was going back listening to some of the older episodes and said, yeah. you know, you never did a follow-up with Malcolm on how the trailer came out, if he liked it, if he used it, whatever. So let's take a few moments and take a look back. How did you take delivery of it and... As you sit here in February 6th of 2024, did it meet, exceed, or come under expectation? Oh, no, man. It's top of the line. Um, I, I drove down, or, you know, me and a buddy drove down to Waycross, Georgia, Tracy, down Southern Dimension Trailers down there. And it's, uh, it's a beast. Um, you know, when I first got it, I had a whole hickory on the back of it. Then, uh, we started cooking on stick burners a little bit and going more classic, going for that real, you know, competition flavor. And so ended up putting a stick burner on the back. I've got an outlaw pit on it now and it's, it's down at the farm. Uh, I hadn't got it out this year, I guess the last cook I did this year. So, uh, it's about time to, to go out and knock the cobwebs off of it and get it tuned back up and ready to go. But, uh, and it's, it's got, a. Uh, bunk beds and, a, and another little uh, twin bed up front. It's got a full-size couch with a sleeper on it. So me and a, a crew can stay in there. It's got a full bathroom. Of course, I got the full pit on the back, plenty of room to work. It's got some cool lights. Uh, I mean, it's a hmm. heck of a trailer. They build some good ones down there, man. Any changes that if you could go back as it was still under construction, now that you've had it and you've worked through it a little bit, any additions or changes that you would make? Uh, right at the tip, I mean, it doesn't have an onboard generator, so that would be nice to work that in. And, I mean, you can always use more storage. So it would be simple stuff. Overall, having a place to get some rest, a place to do all your prep and stay dry and do everything inside, and then a, and then a porch on the back where you don't even have to get off the rig. I mean, it's a game changer when you're doing when you're doing competitions all the time. Um, it's probably overkill for what I do now. Mm. Uh, you know, I'm down. 
uh, I still, I mean, I like to have some comforts of home if I'm going to be out there. So that's why we've kind of something big enough that we could stay in, fully cook, and then, you know, have a, have a porch on it too to keep the smokers out back. I don't know if I'm just noticing it more over the past handful of months or if it's a real thing, but I've noticed a lot of top-line pitmasters and medium-level pitmasters getting rid of their trailers. Maybe they're calling it a competition career. Is that something that you're also noticing or not really? Um, I mean, there's comps now. You know, it's it's tough. I mean, in our, in our area, we've. I mean, the MBN super strong. KCBS is still going strong. He's got a big foothold, too. So there's there's a if you want to cook there's a cook off every weekend I'm say, I am seeing a lot of people you know KCBS kind of a little bit uh, I don't know so much in the NBN side of things it seems like it's gaining more steam now as uh, you know people are just I guess some new just old people are coming back to it but they're adding contests left and right too so um, I don't know I think there's always an ebb and flow in barbecue you see Greg and just some of them fall in a favor and, you know, some of them, you know, gain a little popularity, but it's always, I think people are always going to be cooking. You, you see it industry wide. The barbecue is just, it's here to stay. It's mainstream. Are you surprised that MBN is coming back as strong as it is? I, I've always remembered it as, you know, A, Myron Mixon was always winning team of the year. And when he wasn't winning team of the year, Melissa Cookson was winning team of the year a lot of the time. And it was very, still regional, but it seemed very regional. And then all of a sudden, I don't know if there was like some politicking issue going on, but it almost seemed like it went away and, and blew up and all this stuff. But now I remember Mark Williams filling in for you a few times last year talking about the increase in MBN that he was doing. He was doing very well on that circuit. So is there something you would point to to say why it's gaining steam again? Or Matt and... All of a sudden, it's affordable. You know, back back in the old rules before they made some changes, you had to buy a ton of meat. You had rounds of onside judging plus blind boxes for three categories, and then you had the finals. So you're cooking a ton of meat. Well, now they've got it to where you can cook butts. You can buy as many ribs. You don't have to cook all three categories. You don't have to cook that hog category to win a grand. So you know the the, the money to put into it, it's not as bad anymore. Entry fees are okay. And, uh, I mean, they're getting a lot of local people. So it's, it's kind of a local man's contest too. I think you don't, you know, you're not, you're not spending all the money and stuff that it's where KCBS is kind of going. And, you know, I'm sure they're going to, they're going to make some changes. So we'll see how it goes. Super Bowl's coming up this weekend. Uh, we're both big football guys. Neither of our teams made it again this year. So good luck to us next year. We'll see about that. What's on the menu for Malcolm Reed? I know we're both big wing guys. We've talked about that ad nauseum over the past number of years, but uh, what else is on the menu for you guys? Absolutely. We always do wings. I can't have a Super Bowl without doing wings. No um, you know, I got into these little sliders, man. I love making them where you take the dinner rolls and you split them in half and you load them up with meat and cheese and put a little melted butter on. They're so easy, but they're so good. And, uh, you know, those big – I don't know if you have – have you got the big Nathan's Colossal Dogs yet, the quarter-pound hot dogs? No. They are so good. They only come like four to a pack. They're like five <laughs> bucks. So it's expensive for a hot dog. But it is – it man, it, it, if you're – it's a man-sized hot dog. <laughs> and so usually do chili dogs or something like that, you know, something to, to go with. It kind of ballparky themed food, but something you can grab, grab a beer and get back in front of the TV so you don't miss the commercials, so you don't miss all the – you know, the action of the game. 
Do you have a chili recipe? Oh yeah, heck yeah! yeah. I got a, I got several chili recipes. I get, uh, you know, Shell kicks my teeth in with her white chicken chili whenever we have a contest. <laughs> you know, I'm a I do it both ways. I recently did one no beans, and people gave me flack over. You know, if I if I put beans in a chili, I catch. If I don't put beans in it, I catch hell over it. Yep. So you can't please everybody. But I'm I love chili. What's your go to recipe? My go-to is, is I mean, I, I'll pound a ground beef, pound a sausage, and then I'm going to add tomatoes. I, I like using diced tomato. I like you tomatoes because you get some of the spice, some of the chilies in there. Um, I've got a chili seasoning I use, but I grew up, my mom always used the packs. grocery hmm. store and you buy a chili pack, and that's what you season the meat with. So usually, you know, on mine, I, I'll put a couple tablespoons per pound of meat. It's super simple cook it down. I add the beans at the end when I do put beans. Uh, I don't like the beans to get so mushy, so I like them still to have some texture. So they go in about the last simmer. But to me, chili has to develop flavor, Greg. So, you know, I'll, I'll start, I'll cook the I'll cook the meat, then I'll throw the vegetables in there with it, the onions, garlic, let those sweat down. Um, depending on how much fat's in there, I might drain it, but I like cooking those onions and raw vegetables with the meat so they pick up that flavor. That, so when you do drain it, you don't lose that flavor. And then I just go building it with the with the tomatoes. Um, if I add any liquid, it's usually beef broth, Worcestershire, maybe a squirt of ketchup or a pinch of sugar because you need a little sweetness to balance out that acidity. Yep. And it's just and it's classic chili recipe, super easy, and it's it's dang good this time of year. All right, for one minute, let's go full ESPN, break down the game, and tell me who's going to win. Oh man, that's a tough one, man. I'm the, <laughs> I, I I don't want to have to pick the Chiefs, but something tells me that the NFL wants to, wants the Chiefs to win. Um, you know, and so when I went to the game this year, the only game I went to, the Minnesota, the Chiefs came up there and beat the Vikings. Yeah, and so I don't really, you know, I don't really care for the Chiefs. But that being said, uh, a lot of miracle. I mean, if McCaffrey has a good day and Birdie and Purdy don't make any turnovers, I think they're going to have. They're both got good defenses. I think it'll be a low scoring game. Um, I think you're probably going to see Travis Kelsey score a touchdown. Caffrey may get one or two, but it's going to hinge. It's going to hinge on the defense can stop them and, and create those turnovers. Yeah, I think if uh, Kansas City shows up with that defense that they showed up with two weeks ago, or what will be two weeks ago this coming Sunday, they're going to be tough to beat. As far as who to pick, I've learned enough in order to be the man. You have to beat the man. And I can't possibly, right. in good faith, bet against Pat Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, Cleveland Heights guy, by the way. And that team is playing really good right now. They were really not that great. Uh, maybe even mediocre, a little bit worse than mediocre through the regular season. But the cream rises to the top, and they're playing their best football right now. So I would be foolish to bet against them. But we'll see how the game plays out. Are you following the guy on Instagram that's eating raw chicken every day. Today's day 19. Has it hit your algorithm? I haven't seen that, but I'm going to look now that you mentioned it because that guy <laughs> explain that, Greg. What's your take on that? I, I wish I knew. I, I think so. I mean, the account's been open for 19 days. I did a report on this guy last week. And at the time of the show, he had 220,000 followers, something like that. Again, 
So that was within 11 days or 12 days. Now we're at 19 days. He's just short of 400,000 followers on Instagram. I believe he's trying to make some type of a claim that eating raw chicken isn't as unhealthy or dangerous as science says it is. And he's the, the whole take is day 19 eating raw chicken until I get a tummy ache and he has raw chicken breast or uh, a leg, but he's not done there. It's the chicken eating. And then he drinks the chicken juice some of the times. And then he's always drinking oh, raw gosh. eggs on top of it. I've never seen anything like it. it's totally insane. If it's a ploy to get followers, he's winning the game because I've never seen an account blow up like this. It wasn't illegal or dangerous. This is probably dangerous. And he's just doing an incredible raw chicken experiment is the Instagram handle that you're going to have to go to. And then you tell me what you think. Oh, I already know. I've been chicken sick, and it is no fun. It's a week of horror. Yeah. And he must be blood chicken or treating that chicken that we're not seeing some kind of way, or he's done some kind of switcheroo on it. Because, man, I just – I'm not saying every piece of chicken has salmonella. Yeah. But it is a proven scientific fact that it does carry it more so than most meat. So – yeah. Take that for what it is. I'm not doing would it. Not, I would never do it. I'm not doing it. I would never do it. We'll leave it to him. He's obviously the professional in proving everybody wrong. A couple minutes left here, Malcolm, and wanted to see where the update is on this particular item. Have you put in your application for Memphis in May 2024? We have not. No. Uh, I'm not deciding, Greg. I don't know. I don't know if I'm going to cook, man. Uh, we may just ride the spectate. Um, so you haven't put in your application for Smoke Slam? I haven't put it in for any of them. Mm. So, yeah. I may not. I may. I may just bow out. Now wait. Let me throw my pitch. By the way, I don't have a dog in the fight, and I could care less. <laughs> I mentioned last week in the show. Open, this year would be the year to break away from Memphis and May, and I'm talking to everybody that isn't named Jack's Old South or Big Bob Gibson's because they have a real vested interest in winning just so they can say they have more than the other guy. Everybody else should break away and go do Smoke Slam because this year is going to be the easiest one to win and you can bank a minimum of 65000 You get fifteen grand for the category win in the major meet and then you get fifty if you win the overall. If you win some of the extra ancillaries, you get additional money and you get a trip to go to, or you get a ticket to go to World Food Championships if you want, but you don't have to. I think this is the year, Malcolm. You go, jump over to, you know, whatever the dark side is, but do it. Make some money. I think you could win this. You know, I would. I mean, I would like the chances. But you like winning, you know, Malcolm. I know you. I like winning, yeah. I like winning. There's no doubt about. It. I like winning. Who don't like that much money? Yeah. But uh, I just. Greg, I'm not, this is th these two contests are going to go off without a hitch, man. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be a challenge for both of them. Um, I, some, somebody's going to fail. I don't know which one it's going to be. Uh, I mean, I, you know, I, I wish everybody good luck. I hope, and I hope they both contests are slapping, and the crowds are great at both of them. Yeah, but, but uh, it doesn't make a lot of sense to me to do two contests mm -hmm. same you know same weekends. Of that of that caliber, when you know, but who am I? I'm just a barbecue guy, man. 
Well, one of the biggest out there, no doubt about it, with 1.67 million YouTube subscribers, uh, perhaps more than that even as we're broached into February now. You can go to howtobbqright.com and see what Malcolm's up to. You can also follow him at the same social media handles, and you can find him here the first Tuesday of every month. Malcolm, always appreciate the time, and we'll see you in March, pal. Hey, good to see you, Greg. We'll see you next month. All right, pal. Malcolm Reed right there. No application into Memphis in May. No application into Smoke Slam. And the controversy continues to build as we figure out who's going to be making the leap, who's not going to be making the leap. It's anybody's guess at this point. I will continue to remain steadfast in my take that any team that goes to Smoke Slam this year, this is the year to go, even if you're a Memphis in May allegiant. You can go to Smoke Slam this year and have a really your best shot at winning major money. 65 grand at a minimum. Okay, well, at a minimum if you win everything. So that means you've won a category, a major category in the whole thing. So 50 and 15 is 65. Plus additional money potential. It's a lot of money. What would you guys are up to? Did you hear Malcolm say he didn't know how both of these can exist and not have a problem? We'll keep a touch on that as well. All right, Katina Eats Kilos is ready to go. Before we get to her, I will talk to you quickly about Primo Grills. What do we love about ceramic cookers? We love that they're fuel efficient. We love that you can achieve low and slow temperatures for traditional barbecue meats. We also love that you can get rip-roaring hot for the high-temperature grilling of steaks and other thin cuts. But what's missing in the everyday ceramic cooker lineup? The real ability to do true two-zone cooking. Two-zone cooking is very important to both professional and backyard cooks alike. It's the best way to manage a fire and cook with confidence. However, getting a two-zone fire and a round ceramic cooker isn't very realistic. Why? Because it's round. And a Primo grill and the game-changing oval design. The shape gives you the ability to execute that two-zone setup that you desire. It also gives you the other ceramic grill benefits as well. When you break it down, there's more than 60 different ways to cook on a Primo. Six zero. They also have the accessories that you want. The Primo Grill Rotisserie, the Primo Grill Pizza Accessory. They have the griddle insert now. Everything you want. You can now spend more money on accessories than you would if you just bought a new Primo XL. Because that's what it's all about. Only sold through dealers. PrimoGrill.com. Find the dealer near you. Visit them in person. Hug and touch all the different sized ovals and then buy the one that best fits your needs. Follow them on Facebook and the Instagrams. Who's ready for a Primo? Mine's outside. PrimoGrill.com. We're back with Katina Dijarnet right after this. Stick around. Be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Stern, Jim Rome, Dan Patrick, and Greg Rampey. The Mountain Rushmore of talk show entertainment. Now, let's get back to the Barbecue Central Show. And we thank Malcolm Reed for joining us last segment. This portion of the show being brought to you by Fireboard. Monitor up to six different temperatures simultaneously. Connect to Wi-Fi for cloud-based monitoring or connect via the Bluetooth 
If you have smart speakers in your home, there's a good chance that Fireboard is integrated with both of those already. You can find out more by visiting fireboard.com or call 816-945-2232. Check out all the cool videos they're doing as well over to fireboard.com. The one thing we love the most after we finish cooking our delicious live fire meals is eating them, which leads nicely into my next guest who eats and eats and eats. And where normal humans might stop, she presses through and eats way more. She's made the move to the Midwest, South Midwest, and has just recently landed in Nashville, Tennessee as a self-titled professional eater and someone who also appreciates some good barbecue, of course. I'm excited to welcome a first-time guest and the creator of the Katina Eats Kilos landscape, Katina Dijarnet. Am I saying the last name right, Katina? Hey, yes, you sure are. Yep, perfect. And any relation to the Dijarnets in Chagrin Falls, Ohio? Never heard of them. Uh, you wouldn't. I don't, I don't think so. It's, uh, if you only knew why you'd are not related, but uh, same last name. Oh. Nevertheless, uh, we have okay. a YouTube are they like axe murderers, uh, not to my knowledge, but uh, a whole okay. different reason we can talk about uh, off air. We have a YouTube okay. poll question of the week that we're asking everybody watching. And of course, all guests, I'll ask for your off the top head answer here as you might not be totally entrenched into the live fire culture here of the two new cookers that I'm about to tell you, which one would you rather have? the GE profile indoor smoker or the current backyard full-size electric grill? Ooh, I'm going to say the indoor smoker. Yeah. I really love smoked foods. All Had right. a Traeger before. It was pretty good. 31% are saying the indoor smoker by GE. 69% are saying the full-size electric grill. So we'll see how the rest of that poll plays out here through the next hour and change. As I'd mentioned, you're the Katina Eats Kilos landscape owner doing all the really cool food challenges. Quick background on you since it's your first time on the show. Maybe folks aren't as familiar with you as I have become. Where are you from originally and have you done anything you know previously professionally before you got into the whole YouTube and eating stuff? Yeah, I'm actually originally from Spokane, Washington, and I got into professional eating following doing a bodybuilding show in 2019. So I dieted down for this bodybuilding show and started kind of watching YouTube videos to kind of fill my insatiable hunger that I couldn't really fulfill, not being able to eat very many calories. And I kind of went down this rabbit hole of food challenges. And by the time the show had wrapped up and I was needing to put on weight again, I decided I wanted to go out and try one of those food challenges. So I grabbed a camcorder and took it with me to my first ever food challenge. And it was really easy for me. I wanted dessert afterwards. And kind of the rest is history there when it comes to my eating career. <laughs> is there a lot of food challenges out in Washington? As I sit here in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame city of Cleveland, Ohio, I couldn't sit here and name perhaps even one food challenge uh, that is available at a restaurant for me to even go try? Is that like a West Coast thing? No, actually, there's there's a lot you would be surprised. I haven't personally done any in Cleveland. Um, I believe I've done one in Columbus. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah, there's not really always like really obvious challenges. Sometimes restaurants don't really have them outwardly advertised. You kind of just have to be in the know, but other restaurants will advertise them pretty openly. But to answer your question, Spokane didn't have a ton of challenges. And so I eventually started to travel because Spokane itself maybe had 
seven or eight that I was capable of attempting. And so I began to kind of travel. I went over towards Seattle, then eventually down into California. And that's kind of how I built up a pretty big base of challenges. When you were in Columbus, were you at the Thurman Cafe eating the Therminator? I did not get a chance oh. to do the Therminator, no. But I actually, I did a barbecue challenge and I should have done my research ahead of time. I can't remember the name of the restaurant. That is terrible. <laughs> it was a couple years ago. I was on my way to a eating contest actually. And I stopped in the city and, and did a barbecue challenge there. Oh man, that's terrible that I forgot the name of the restaurant. <laughs> How do you get to Nashville? Um, Nashville kind of just happened on a whim. Um, we, Randy and I, Randy Santel is also a professional eater, uh, and my boyfriend, we were just kind of sitting down and decided that Nashville was a really cool centrally located city to be in with really good food, a lot of fun and really easy access to international travel and a really good home base for all of the travel we plan on doing as far as food challenges. And then perhaps like speaking events or something in the future. And so, yeah, Nashville was what it was. We came and visited, fell in love with the city and, uh, moved almost immediately. <laughs> a lot of great sports teams, a lot of great yes. music, a lot of great nightlife. I mean, you're much younger than me, so you can probably still enjoy that without, you know, having severe repercussions the next day. However, also home of some world class barbecue. So if you're not in the know with these names, I would say number one, Peg Leg Porker in Nashville is legend. And Martin's Barbecue, Pat Martin's the pit master there. I think he's got a couple different locations at this point. Is more your whole hog, uh, like traditional oh. open pit barbecue. So those are going to be the two I'm throwing out right off the top of my head. Peg Lake Porker and Martin's Barbecue for you to try. I don't know if they're you know, into doing uh, potential food excursions or not, but uh, just on your own to go have some great Nashville barbecue, get indoctrinated there. Those are the places that I'm going to recommend any other places that you've eaten already that have uh, tripped your trigger? I've only gotten to do the really, I guess it's kind of considered a bit of a tourist trap, but I really enjoyed it. Edley's barbecue, I got to try and I actually thought it was really good for being kind of more catering towards tourists. Um, I had their turkey platter and it was exquisite. I don't normally go for turkey, but I was talked into it by the staff and Oh my gosh, I, I was pretty blown away and they have amazing banana pudding too. Mm -hmm. Not that that's necessarily barbecue, but Oh, I'll tell you Just what, uh, <laughs> banana pudding to me, that either puts you to a 10 or keeps you at a nine. So if the, if the oh, proteins are good, you have really good size. If you don't come out with world-class banana pudding, mm -hmm. you're just okay for me, dog. I mean, that's, it that's was a chock full of vanilla wafers, which oh. is, which is key. Yeah. So you find that you can eat a lot after you're trying to now uh, calorie up from this uh, competitive bodybuilder thing that you were doing. Did you have a proclivity for eating large amount of food even before that? Like, did you know you were an eater or you didn't yes, find out? Until I've after? always been able to eat like yeah. obscene amounts of food. And one of my favorite stories is one my dad likes to tell. I guess I was about six years old and he took me to a checkers or a rallies, one of the two. Mm -hmm. And we, he had coupons. So he got us both like a big meal and I dug into my burger and fries like ravenously and I had finished the burger and fries and was like halfway through the drink. My dad had only had like a couple bites of fries and I looked up at him and I said, daddy, can I have another one? And he goes, I, I was worried from that moment on. Mm. So he was not shocked at all when I called him and let him know that I was becoming a professional eater full time. 
So let's talk about that term, professional eater, because I have had years ago the premier competitive eater, Joey Chestnut. Are these interchangeable terms uh, where, like a lot of times in my industry, we fight that barbecue and grilling are used interchangeably when a lot of us feel that they are independent terms? I'm not going to bore you with why, but is competitive eater and professional eater different? I think it should be considered different. A competitive eater competes up on a stage against other people, other competitors in an attempt to win versus other competitors, like a race. So it would be like Joey Chestnut versus Jeff Esper. I won't bore you with a bunch of names, but it's going to be versus somebody else. Whereas a professional eater, it's you versus the restaurant. And I always like to compare what I do to the old TV show of man versus food, just because a lot of people have seen it. It's been around. The reruns still play to this day. So it's just me versus the restaurant or their their menu. And really, it's me versus myself and what I think that I can accomplish in the time limit given. So uh, it, it makes it a lot more... I guess, rewarding because you're not like being vicious against anyone else. It's just like, here's the food. Let's see if I can finish it. Outside of man versus food, are you a trailblazer of sorts as far as professional leaders are concerned? Or would you say you had mentors or uh, idols as you were looking to make your own mark? That's actually a really good question. I would say I'm I'm maybe a trailblazer on the female side of professional eating, but there were still women ahead of me, just maybe that didn't do it in like kind of a similar style as I did. I kind of took bits and pieces from mentors and kind of figured out how I wanted to edit my videos, how I wanted to kind of present them and the style that I wanted that was engaging. So when I was watching videos leading up to my dieting, are leading up to my bodybuilding show, I wanted to basically duplicate what was entertaining me. And so I kind of just use, I, I like to say, uh, great art, good artists borrow, great artists steal. And so I took kind of all my favorite things from all these different videos I was watching and just put them into my own videos. And that was kind of how I, I dove into it. And so, yeah, I'd say it's kind of a mix of being led and also trying to kind of start my own thing as like a female in the industry because there's really not very many of us. How did you know that YouTube would be a, a way to build a following and be able to engage with them in such an intimate way? You know, I didn't think that YouTube would be like a thing. When I took that camcorder with me to my first restaurant challenge, I was like, oh, it'd be fun to just kind of catalog this and see what happens. You know, maybe post the videos, maybe, you know, 12 people will watch or something. And it was kind of shock and surprise when the, the channel kind of took off. And really it's thanks to the community of people that were ahead of me that were really supportive, shared my videos, gave me shout outs and kind of like nurtured our community more just because there's not a ton of us out there doing what I'm doing and what, you know, <laughs> professional eaters in general do. It's just not a big community at all, as you can imagine. Are you picking places specifically to eat or because of the popularity that you have earned and worked so hard to build Are places reaching out to you and saying, hey, Katina, this is who we are. You know, we'll fly you in. We'll take care of some expenses. You eat this thing you don't have to pay for. Like, how does that whole operation, how did it start and where is it now? 
Oh, it's it's most of the time it's us kind of approaching the restaurant because these are pre-existing challenges that we seek out and we try and do. So there's a big database that we have that my my boyfriend actually created and it's called foodchallenges.com and it's a global database of every food challenge that we know about that exists in the entire world and people will reach out and help us add to this database. And so we'll go through that database and sometimes they're outdated and the restaurant is unfortunately closed especially post COVID times. Yeah. Tons of these restaurants restaurants have closed or discontinued the challenge. So we'll kind of swing and a miss a lot. But other times it's like you call up and they're like, of course, we've still got it. And we're able to go in and try the challenge. And then there's other times where, yeah, restaurants will reach out and be like, hey, we would like to start a challenge. Would you guys help us design a challenge and help us design something that would be really attractive to customers mm -hmm. to, to maybe give it a shot? Um, as you can imagine, if you set up a food challenge, it can be really lucrative for the business because uh, and especially if you have somebody who guinea pigs it be a small female, imagine all the men folk out there that think if she can eat it, I can eat it. Yeah. <laughs> and so they'll see that and they'll pay that that premium to maybe win a shirt or a gift card to, to try the challenge. So it makes it really fun for for patrons and the restaurant uh, as well to, to host those. From a preparation standpoint, I'm, I'm dying to know. So obviously you can just eat a lot, but is mm -hmm. there training? I remember Joey telling me his training regimen leading up to a Nathan's famous hot dog eating contest and it blew my mind. What kind of a okay, so <laughs> training are you doing or is it not anywhere near the same? So first of all, like all hail Joey, because he is an absolute legend. I don't have to eat as much as he has to eat in that, in that one amazing contest that he's doing in that 10 minutes he is putting in almost 20 pounds of food. And that is absolutely insane. I could never even dream of putting in that much food. So my training regimen is like way like baby food compared to that. So all I really do is my favorite way to train and because I like to stay as lean as possible and healthy as possible is I'll do a really, really large salad. So like a maybe a three pound bag of lettuce, I'll throw on maybe a pound of lean protein, maybe like another pound of some other mixed veggies, and then maybe like a low calorie Greek yogurt for like a sauce, and then add like a two liter of soda on the side. So then in total, I have about seven to eight pounds of total volume going into my stomach to help stretch me out, which gets me ready for a challenge because usually the challenges I attempt are anywhere between five and eight pounds. Mm. And then once we are on like a food challenge tour per se, the challenge before the next challenge is training. It kind of um, self-perpetuating, I guess, if that's the right term, <laughs> it just kind of keeps going. Have you ever gotten into a eating event? And it's great. So go watch the videos. You know, you do the great buildup, like leading into the eat and then you drop the catchphrase, put the hair back and all of a sudden you're off and eating. And I'm always freaked out by the fact that even after 10 minutes like most of the food is gone i'm like holy shit like there's no way i could do that you know when i was watching you do the the pizza challenge in iceland or wherever you were there's you know the pizza there's the beer and like my head is spinning going how does she do this this is your thing i mean obviously you're, you're very good at it you ever mm -hmm. taken a bite one bite and you're like fuck there's no way i'm gonna do this some you can tell because you're the expert and you know your body intimately that whatever's just mm -hmm. happened within one bite has effed you right off the bat. 
Um, I wouldn't say within one bite. Sometimes you kind of know, especially with like a pizza challenge, that eventually something's going to get really, really chewy. And I get like jaw fatigue really easily. I have a little bit of like TMJ, so I'll Mm. kind of lock up and kind of get sore. And so when I get like really deep into like a cooling down pizza challenge, I'll kind of know like, oh, this is going to be tough as this goes on. I might not make it. Mm. Um, So I've kind of been worried with that. And then there's only been a couple instances where I just genuinely disliked the food, just personal taste. Everyone else seemed to think it was wonderful. And I just personally didn't care for it. And that has kind of led to some unfortunate losses just because I wasn't into the food. (laughs) And um, that's kind of a bummer when that happens. But usually I try to be as polite as possible because there's a reason it's on the menu and it must be good. (laughs) And it's just my personal take that I wasn't into it. If you look over the history of your eats, would you say the vast majority of them have been either at your expectation or easier or is it the other way? Ooh, I would say they're mostly at expectation. Mm, sometimes harder. I would say as opposed to being easier, harder, I'll usually probably be more on the cocky side than anything else. I'll look at something. I'll be like, oh, that looks like it's pretty doable. And uh, I'll get there and, you know, I'll be, you know, a quarter of the way through and I'll be like, "Uh oh, I'm in over my head. (laughs) And so really have to kick it up a notch. Um, just chatting and and with the crowd that that'll sometimes show up, I'll, I'll kind of get distracted and not be as focused as I should be. And you really do have to focus because like you were saying, like in that first 10 minutes, I do a lot of eating. That first 20 minutes is key to doing the most eating before your brain kind of catches up with your stomach and is like, "Uh oh, we're getting full. You want to be way ahead of where you want to be at that 20 minute mark because almost everybody hits the wall right about there. So yeah, when I'm not focused, it's not good. (laughs) So how much of it is mental and how much of it is physical? Because, I mean, you just kind of touched on it a little bit. I, when I go to this place for all-you-can-eat crab legs up the road, I, when I go in, we sit down, I tip the waitress 50 bucks right off the bat. I said, never, ever have me have an empty bucket of crab legs. I have to have something in my mouth all the time. And I'm tipping you right, and I'll tip you at the end, but this makes sure that we're all on the same page. So as long as I never stop. I'm okay. And then at some point I can call it quits because I feel like a slob and, you know, I'm done after 50 bucks or whatever it is. For you, how much of, as you're hitting the wall, is then a mental thing pushing past it and then a physical thing pushing past it? I know that this isn't good math, but I would say 100% and 100%. Yeah. Um, it, because it's, it's really hard to describe because at one point it is physical because there's only so much you can physically cram into your body. Yeah. But at the same time, it's 100% mental because your your brain will be like, oh, I, I don't want this. This doesn't taste good anymore. There's, I don't need to do this. It's still going to make a great video, even if I lose. Um, and then the other side of your brain is like, do it for the kids. And the other side of me is like, I don't want to vomit in front of a hundred people that are watching me live right now. <laughs> like there's, there's all sorts of stuff going on in your brain. And so you have to kind of talk down the demons, talk mm-hmm. up yourself and think your way like through the pain. It's very much like a sporting event even though it's not sports, you know, you train for it, you get to the event and you have to be physically prepared, but then you have to mentally kind of know your good strategy to finish strong. It's, it's really deep. No, yeah. <laughs> it's, I'm kind of geeking out about it. It's, it gets kind of deep. Have you ever had a involuntary reversal of fortune? 
Yes. Yes. Mm. Unfortunately. Um, luckily, I haven't done any like straight up in front of people. I've been able to skedaddle in time. But yeah, it's it's pretty embarrassing when that happens. But I, I guess that means I was putting forth full effort. <laughs> How big of a crowd will you eat in front of? Because we don't really get a, a pan shot of how many people are in this city or that city. Is it hundreds and hundreds? Yeah. Is it more like 10 or 20? Um, it it kind of depends. I think one of the bigger events had just about 100, probably the finale video in Australia, which was actually a barbecue challenge. Yeah. It was a massive barbecue yeah. platter challenge as the finale video for Australia. That was, I would say, nearly 100 people came out to support Randy and myself. But um, I would say an average would be closer to about that 20, maybe 20 to 40 mark. It, it can be quite a lot of people. A lot of families will come out. Is it weird to have people show up live and watch you eat? <laughs> I thought so at first, but I really enjoy it now because before doing events, Randy Santel is kind of the one who started doing the events. And then when we started dating, you know, he was like, well, we're going to tour together and stuff like that. And before doing that, I had never gotten to put faces to the numbers. So I had all these subscribers on YouTube, but I never really got to meet them. And so when we would host these events, you get to meet everyone that's watching you and all the, the age ranges that are watching from little kids to really old, like sweet little old ladies that you would never think would watch a, an eating challenge. And it's really cool. And you get to talk to them and yeah, it's, it's really not weird because sometimes you don't know these people's stories. Sometimes they're eating as like a, they're, or they're watching you eat because they can't themselves or they're watching mm. you eat because they're also on a diet or, you know, maybe they're just a really big foodie. It, it, you, know, you don't know the story and it's really interesting to hear everyone's point of view on why they find it entertaining. So the eating on YouTube and social media stuff looks like you stream like video game stuff on Twitch, uh, which is obviously pretty popular. I do. This is all like <laughs> how you're making money? Yes, correct. Correct. Yeah, it's mostly ad revenue. Yeah. You make a yeah. decent living doing this? Uh, I'd say I'm, I'm pretty comfortable, yeah. <laughs> more comfortable than I thought I would be doing this. But uh, yes, I'm very, very lucky, very blessed that I have so many people supporting me and watching all the videos. What's the five-year plan? Ooh, so I'm actually <laughs> approaching year five actually yeah year five is coming up so april will be five years in but yeah. five years from now i'm hoping to be doing probably a bit more like food tourism um less food challenges necessarily so i think i would rather kind of get in the nitty-gritty and kind of find some cool hole-in-the-wall restaurants to start to promote when we were traveling abroad especially throughout asia and stuff there were so many really cool places that i would have loved to have shown showcased on video but with my channel primarily being food challenges, it just didn't seem right at the time. But if I if I make a like I think a concerted effort to slowly kind of transition into maybe alternating between like food tourism and food challenges, I think I need to to start doing that and not have to really push myself insanely hard on on eating all this food, just really highlighting exceptional eats globally. No production company gets in touch with you and talks about putting a TV show together, or they have and it's not been the right fit. Uh, we've been reached out to, but uh, things fell through. Mm. So yeah, we've had a pretty major network reach out and, and want to do something. But then um, we got like all the way through all this stuff. We did all these auditions and then just nothing ever happened. So mm. is what it is. That's showbiz, I guess. <laughs> Are you following the guy on Instagram that's eating raw chicken every day? No, that sounds really gross. 
how the hell did this guy hit my feet? <laughs> I don't understand. He's got like in, in nine, so it's 19 days is today. He's been eating raw chicken for 19 days in a row. Also drinking raw eggs, raw chicken juice, the whole nine yards. He's got damn near 400,000 Instagram followers in 19 days. But you, this is that something you is haven't seen. That is something I have not wow. seen, but I guess publicity stunts are still publicity stunts yeah. and they're, they're getting people. So there you have it. Uh, anything you're promoting or your next uh, big eating event that people might be able to pop out and watch you eat? Um, so I don't plan on really doing anything too live as far as events right now. I'm kind of in my dieting phase, kind of getting healthy after a long tour, but there is to look forward to. I am going to be very shortly doing some Nashville food tour videos, and I think I will try and include some barbecue in there. So maybe yeah. I'll have to check out that, that peg leg, right? Yep. It was peg leg, yep. uh, barbecue or maybe Martin. And that would be, that would be really fun and start including that in uh, like a Nashville sort of food tour type video and then start getting into some more Nashville food challenges. So I should start filming that probably early March and that content would probably start posting April, I believe. All right. Well, <laughs> Maybe even late in the meantime, if you're not following her on Instagram, it's at Katina eats kilos and you can also subscribe to her YouTube channel, which almost a million of you are. And that's uh, youtube.com slash at Katina eats kilos. This has been a great first interview. I certainly appreciate you taking the time here this evening, giving us the background and talking about all the eating. Continued success. Thanks for doing it. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you. I uh, want to learn more about this barbecue versus grilling thing. I'm intrigued. All right. Well, uh, maybe next segment we'll talk all about. Beautiful. All right. <laughs> there she is. Katina Desjardins. Katina Eats Kilos on all the social media and KatinaEatsKilos.com website and then obviously on YouTube. Go check it out. I mean, it's great stuff. And it's, it's like watching Deadliest Catch. You know what's going to happen? And it's fascinating each and every time. I know she's going to eat a lot and everyone is new and exciting. It's great. So I appreciate her coming on the show that she probably would normally do. Talking about what she's up to. All right, let's go ahead and wrap the first hour. You stick around and we'll be right back. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show. Continuing to produce incredibly mediocre content in an exceptionally professional way. You're listening and watching the Barbecue Central Show. Once again, here's your host, Craig Rampey. Well, I can't believe that most of you knew who she was. You know what? Let me take that back. Of course I can. We like eating. She likes eating. It all hits our YouTube algorithms. Except I'm the only guy that's seeing the raw chicken guy. Anybody in YouTube, does anybody see the, the raw chicken guy without me mentioning it last week? Smoking Joe's Pit Barbecue. She has 707,000 subscribers. She's doing really well. Joe, what is that? What is that? What top line revenue is that? I have no idea how YouTube works. You know me and YouTube. We hate each other. We've hated each other for 20 years. I make no money on YouTube. What kind of top line are we looking at that? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm endlessly fascinated with who knew Katina. I thought it was just me and my sister Kate. Drunken Honky knows Katina. Jason Pettis knows Katina. He was just tuning in on a whim. Here's Katina Eats Kilos. How about that? All right, let's wrap it up here. We'll point to the second hour. Refresh your libation. And we will be right back. Stick around. You're listening to the Barbecue Central Show.